Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. TGIF, everybody. Happy Friday to you. Thank you so much for joining me here. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and uh, busy, busy show heading into the All-Star break here. Uh, We've got a whole bunch of injury updates for you. We've got uh, trade rumor updates as well. Uh, Normally on uh, Fridays, I focus on your Twitter questions and getting you ready for the next week and looking at two star pitchers. Uh, Of course, not going to do any of that today because we don't have games again until Thursday night. That's right, Thursday night. So first time, I think in quite a few years, that there's actually going to be a game on Thursday, which I'm really glad to see. That ga- that break just feels interminable to me. So uh, we do have uh, one game. Uh, it's going to be uh, Cubs-Cardinals uh, next Thursday, and then we've got uh, a full slate uh, back on Friday again. So we've, we've got a good long uh, break ahead of us. Of course, we do have this weekend's games as well. So uh, rather than, uh, you know, do the usual Friday thing that I do here, I'm going to spend a little bit of time looking at tonight's slate since I'm not going to be able to talk about them tomorrow. No show on Saturday. Uh, I'm going to be able to, you know, probably even talk about it on on Monday. Right. So uh, because we'll have uh, Sunday's games at that point. So uh, I'm going to look ahead because, you know, not only, first of all, again, is there an opportunity to do it? But, man, there's a lot of really interesting pitching matchups, including quite a few pitchers that were available in my daily lineup leagues. So uh, I just thought it'd be interesting to break some of them down since, again, I'm not going to be able to look back on these starts and break them down. Uh, we can look at what some of these pitchers have done going into Friday night's starts. But uh, that's going to be a ways on in the show. We've got uh, before that uh, performances from Thursday to break down. And uh, a lot of news to get to. So uh, on that note, we will. There was uh, an announcement. I first saw this report from Andy McCullough on, um, from the LA Times on Twitter that Chase Utley was going to have a press conference. And so, you know, as pretty much I think rightly assumed with that report, that uh, Chase Utley has uh, announced that he's going to retire at the end of the season. So it's been a fantastic career for Chase Utley, or as my uh, wife said when I shared the news with her, Chase Utley and his fantastic forearms. Uh, So yeah, this will be the last year for uh, Chase and his forearms in the major league. So uh, be be sad to see him go. Uh, But uh, in uh, other news, and again, we've got plenty of it, the uh, Indians are talking to the Orioles about a possible Adam Jones deal. I've also got your uh, daily Manny Machado update in a little while, but just saw that 
uh, tidbit come across a little bit before uh, coming on the air here. And also, Corey Kluber, not a great start for him last night. And I think after his start just before this most recent one, I had said he just hasn't really been the same lately, but it seems like he goes through uh, a span like this pretty much every season. And what I didn't say, and frankly didn't think much about at all, was that a lot of times when Corey Kluber goes through those rough periods, there's a health issue. And so it turns out he has been dealing with a knee issue, and he's getting an injection and is going to be shut down for a week. And again, good timing as far as that's concerned, because uh, the Indians aren't going to play again after this weekend until uh, next Friday. So uh, talk a little bit more about that Kluber start a little bit later on in the show. Uh, Noah Syndergaard's been activated by the Mets. He will start tonight, as expected. Delino DeShields uh, hurt his head. Uh, He's not under uh, concussion protocol. He banged the back of his head uh, on a play, uh, but he is not in the Rangers lineup for tonight. And I'll go more comprehensively through the lineups, uh, but DeShields with his injury uh, not in the Rangers lineup and don't know if he's uh, even going to be available at all uh, for that game tonight. Uh, Let's see. So we got uh, uh, an update here on Garrett Richards, one that I think he could have reasonably expected uh, after injuring his UCL for the second time in the last three seasons. This time he is opting to have Tommy John surgery, according to the Southern California News Group. So Richards' season is done, and I would imagine much of uh, next season, the bulk of next season, uh, as well for Garrett Richards. So uh, bad news for Garrett Richards, but not totally unexpected either. James Paxson had to be lifted in the first inning of uh, the Mariners game last night, and uh, he is dealing with some lower back stiffness. So that was something of a sigh of relief for all of us uh, James Paxton owners. So nothing with his uh, shoulder or elbow, fortunately. Uh, but does have some back stiffness. And the Mariners, uh, according to Joel Sherman of the New York Post, Mariners already had a plan to give Paxton just a little bit of extra rest coming out of the break. So he is now scheduled to be the Mariners' fourth starter in the second half, which means if you're playing a short week next week with most teams playing three games except for the Cubs and the Cardinals, who have five uh, against each other, uh, so you're basically playing the three-game week next week. Uh, you will not be starting James Paxton because he will not start until the following week. But uh, Jerry DePoto, general manager of the Mariners, said that uh, he does not believe that it's a lingering issue for Paxton. So as with all these uh, sorts of injuries, you have to keep tabs on it and make sure that uh, these players are ready uh, in the estimated timetable that we've been given, uh, but the, all the indications do seem to be good. Uh, if you've got Andrew Benintendi and you're playing in a daily lineup league, be prepared to replace him for the rest of this week because the Red Sox placed him on the bereavement list earlier on Friday. So he's going to be out for uh, the entirety uh, or the remainder, I should say, of this week and to take his place on the 25-man roster. The Red Sox have recalled Sam Travis. Uh, Sticking with some Red Red Sox news here, uh, Rafael Devers had an MRI, and fortunately it showed no structural damage in his shoulder, but he has been dealing with some pain in his shoulder uh, for the better part of a month. 
That said, according to Chris Cotillo of MassLive.com, uh, Devers is not expected to miss more than the minimum 10 days, and that would make him available as soon as the second game after the All-Star break. So uh, I think it's probably safe to sit him if, again, you're playing the, the short three-game week. Next week, obviously, if you're playing, uh, as I am in a couple of my leagues, you're playing the expanded uh, three games plus the whole rest or the whole week after that, uh, then it looks like probably you can count on Raphael Devers. But again, always got to check out these things as uh, those dates approach. Gary Sanchez uh, may be able to begin a minor league rehab assignment on Sunday, according to Aaron Boone. Uh, and uh, he did go through a series of workouts on Thursday, yesterday, uh, while the uh, Yankees were in Cleveland at Progressive Field. Uh, that, according to MLB.com. So you could see the return of Gary Sanchez fairly soon. And in some catcher, but maybe not catcher-type news here, Francisco Cervelli, who recently came back uh, from a concussion, According to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, he has started taking grounders at first base. And that's a move that could make a whole lot of sense, particularly if uh, Cervelli does prove to be healthy and can hit like he did earlier in the season when he was really having uh, quite the breakout. Uh, but it also would give the Pirates a way to keep uh, Elias Diaz in the lineup. That was something I talked about just on Thursday's show, just yesterday, about how Diaz has hit really well. And there was potential uh, path to playing time for him. And now we're seeing uh, what that path might be. Uh, and it, it actually would be a good thing for both uh, Cervelli, again, keep him away from behind the plate with uh, his uh, history of concussions, uh, give him a chance to keep his bat in the lineup at the same time, give Diaz some playing time. Obviously, not a great move for Josh Bell, who has just really struggled this year. So I don't know if that would mean a demotion or a timeshare. Uh, for Bell, but we'll see how this one develops. Uh, from uh, Masson, we have a report that Ryan Zimmerman is going to be uh, begin a rehab assignment early next week and could return uh, Friday, so that would be the Nationals' first game after the All-Star break uh, when they start a three-game series at home against the Atlanta Braves. And then we'll see if that happens, how... Uh, Davey Martinez deals with first base with Matt Adams having a very good season. And uh, I don't think we're going to see Daniel Murphy there, at least not much anymore. But even just with Adams and Zimmerman both in the picture, it uh, be interesting to see how uh, playing time is managed. Chad Bettis is not going to make his scheduled start on Saturday due to a blister. One of the potential replacement candidates for Bettis could be, oh, John Gray. <laughs> Uh, forget about him. Yeah, he uh, recently got sent down to AAA, but that would be a start for Gray that would keep him on his regular rest. So he is a candidate. Uh, so is Yancy Almonte, and so is Sam Howard. Uh, so no decision's been made yet, but uh, that's just tomorrow coming up. So imagine we'll see something very soon uh, about that. Uh, all right, let's uh, get to our Machado update. And this is actually a two-parter. Because there were two different reports that came out about Machado. And I think it's sort of instructive how these played out. So the first report was from Bob Nightingale of USA Today. And he tweeted that the Dodgers, Brewers, and Yankees were the top contenders to uh, get Machado in a trade. And, you know, 
that was not a real big uh, surprise, I think, to anybody because there was a report yesterday that the Yankees were being very aggressive. The Brewers been kind of, you know, hanging around that picture. Uh, Dodgers have been mentioned before. So it was just sort of consolidating and, um, you know, basically validating the reports that have been out earlier. And then just a short time after that, Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic tweeted, Philadelphia has increased their offer for Machado, Dodgers, and Yankees remains the strongest. Brewers are fading. Diamondbacks on the periphery. And this this is something Rosenthal actually tweeted. Standard caveat applies. Trade talks are fluid, and one text or call can change dynamic of discussions. So that's a good reality check, I think, for all of us as I give you a Manny Machado update every day, or in this case, two updates on the same show. Uh, so, you know, we've got the Phillies uh, back in the picture here, upping their offer for Machado, and apparently the Brewers uh, fading out of that picture. But, you know, there, there could be another update later today that reverses that or changes that. So, uh, for what it's worth, those are the teams that seem to be in on Manny Machado as of right now. And here's an interesting trade rumor. And I, I'm not quite sure to what make of this one for a couple of reasons. First, I'll read you the tweet, which is from uh, Alex Ferrer. And I will admit, I have no idea who that is. And the only reason I'm sharing this with you, because I don't generally go around citing reports from tweets from, from people uh, that I don't know who they are or you know what news outlet they're affiliated with. Um, but this was retweeted by Joe Fasaro, who's the Marlins uh, beat reporter for MLB.com. Doesn't necessarily mean this is legit. Uh, so I want to put that caveat out there. But just in the event that it is, I, th- I find this very interesting. The Indians have had serious trade discussions for one of the Marlins relievers over the past 24 hours. That's what Alex Ferrer has tweeted. Uh, then he goes on. Kyle Bearclaw is believed to be the target. And now here's where it really gets very interesting. Tristan McKenzie and Nolan Jones have been mentioned. Wow, if that's true. <laughs> wow. Uh, I, I, I honestly have a hard time believing it. Maybe Nolan Jones, but Tristan McKenzie uh, for, for Kyle Bearclaw, that would be amazing for the Marlins. So, again, I have no idea how seriously to take this, but for what it's worth, there it is. Uh, and then finally, from Sportsnet, we have the latest update here on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. that he is going to be back in action today, but he's going to go back all the way to Rookie League, uh, Gulf Coast League, for the Blue Jays, and he's going to be DHing. So Blue Jays are going to ease him back in. Uh, I don't know necessarily level by level, but starting him off at the Gulf Coast League, starting him off as a DH. So those reports from earlier in the week that he was close to return to AAA, or not even a return, a promotion to AAA. Not sure uh, how seriously now uh, we should take that as well. Uh, it sounds like maybe uh, it'll be a while even before Guerrero you know, gets gets back up to double A, much less if they're going to promote him to triple A, which is fine, right? It's absolutely fine. Uh, you know, if you own Guerrero, especially in a uh, dynasty league, we do not want to see Vladdy Jr. rushed. That is for sure. So uh, for now, that catches us up on the news. Uh, but we did have a major milestone uh, on Thursday 
we had uh, Albert Pujols with a two-homer game. So he was in a big rush to hit this milestone. Two-homer game, uh, his 15th and 16th homers of the year against the Mariners. Uh, but the big deal here is that the second of those homers tied him with Ken Griffey Jr. for sixth all-time in home runs with a nice round number of 630. Uh, part of a three-hit game, by the way, for Albert Pools. So uh, congratulations to Albert Pools. That is a very, very cool milestone. Uh, so very uh, neat thing to see there. And we had a couple of other two homer games. We had uh, Brett Gardner with his eighth and ninth home runs. Uh, against uh, the Cleveland Indians and a pitching duel that wound up not being one with uh, Kluber, who I talked about earlier, and Luis Severino with uh, not a very good start and sort of an abbreviated start for him. And uh, Brett Gardner, part of the damage there uh, done by the Yankees with his two home runs. Uh, and Anthony Rendon uh, completing the two-homer club for Thursday's games. He had a, th- a three-hit game and home runs number 14 and 15 for him against the Mets, and he's starting to surge a little bit after a, a slowish start for Rendon. Uh, would not be surprised to see ha- see him have a big uh, second half. And while it wasn't a two-homer game for his Drupal Cabrera um, in that same ball game. He had himself uh, a good one with uh, his 17th homer of the year and his 20th double. Cabrera, of course, uh, been rumored to be on the trading block for the Mets and having a very, very nice season. So I got to think that, uh, depending on where he goes, could be a nice upgrade for him, maybe at least in terms of uh, some run production potential. Um, no, you know, going to a team with a little more of a, a potent offense than what the Mets have, have shown so far. And then one more hitter matchup uh, here, or I'm sorry, uh, not hitter matchup, hitter update. And that's uh, Edwin Encarnacion, uh, who hit his 21st home run of the season uh, against the Yankees. But uh, I've got to head to break here very shortly. I want to come back and talk a little bit more about Encarnacion because I've got some worries about him going into the second half. I'll explain why. I've got a whole bunch of pitching performances to go over as well we're going to get to lineups weather and like i said tonight's slate some pitching matchups there as well lots to get to stick around we'll get all that more right after this break did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning fantasy sports radio network listen on the iheart radio app the TuneIn radio app or download the fantasy sports radio network app the Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. Yow! I'm your host, Al Melchior. Thank you for joining me on this uh, last show before the All-Star break begins. So, off for the weekend as usual. Be back here on Monday. Go over the... uh, games on the weekend and anything that develops so uh, when we come around on Monday but uh, we'll be uh, you know getting ourselves into break mode which will be nice and uh, next week I plan on 
Uh, I mean, everybody's you know doing their fancy all stars and all that, and I imagine I might take part in that. But I'm actually more interested in looking back at the players. Uh, a couple things: players that were very highly drafted who have not paid off so far and what's going on there and some of my own uh favorite picks uh coming into year my sleeper picks and bargains and and you know players that i drafted in multiple leagues and uh you know frankly a lot of those haven't worked out so i might want to take a look at some of those players too so uh certainly a lot to do uh during the break during the break and uh, get us geared up uh for the second half uh want to get you geared up for uh also looking back at some of the big performances on Thursday, uh, but before we do, just a reminder for you to get your season ticket to Fantasy Glory right now with the 2018 Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. It's not just a draft kit, it's a full season package that takes you all the way from draft day to your championship week. And it features in-depth analysis from some of your favorite FNTSY sports radio experts, including Fantasy Hall of Famer Scott Engel. 2017 rankings accuracy champion Jake Seeley, and of course, uh, high stakes veteran and uh, uh, co host on Tuesdays with Mo- Modica, uh, high stakes veteran Matt Modica. Uh, you get all of that. Uh, so just go to rotoexperts.com and use the code WINNER to get 10% off on the exclusive edge package and set aside a spot on your mantle for that 2018 championship trophy clear the space get it ready go to roto experts all right uh so uh i left off starting to talk about edwin encarnacion who hit his 21st home run of the year against uh, the yankees certainly you know nothing to worry about there in terms of home run pace it's you know pretty much what we're accustomed to with edwin encarnacion he's batting just 228 and i gotta say as, as far as encarnacion goes uh he's Somebody that I've been, if my memory's serving me right, and maybe somebody who's been around me in years uh, past uh, can, can correct me on it. But as far as I can remember, he's not somebody I've really panicked on. Uh, because, for one thing, he's been a slow starter at times. And he's a guy that I haven't really relied on for batting average. Uh, doesn't typically strike out that much, but he's got a profile that doesn't lend itself to getting a high rate of hits on balls in play which is just a more drawn-out way of saying uh, he's not a BABIP guy. But that 228 average does worry me a bit, and and even more so the fact that he's just got a 311 on-base percentage, because that's the other thing, is that uh, as good as Encarnacion has been over the years as a, a roto uh, source of you know pretty much everything but batting average, uh, well, it's stolen bases. <laughs> but uh, in terms of power and run production, uh, you usually don't have much to complain about. But you know, I've liked him even more in OBP leagues and in points leagues where his plate discipline's really served him well. His plate discipline is okay, but okay is worse than what we're used to for Men Carnacion. His uh, strikeout rate is up. Uh, the walk rate is down. They're both good, but not great. Uh, his O-swing rate, uh, I believe, is right around 29%, which, again, it's it's good. It's okay, but it's not stellar. It's not far above average in a good way, low being above average, right? So, yeah, I'm a little worried about that, given you know where Encarnacion is uh, chronologically 
And again, that's just a nice way of saying I'm worried that he's getting old and what that means for his production. So uh, this raises an interesting question for me, and I don't have the answer. So if this is something you think is interesting or you think you, you feel very good about the way you've resolved this, uh, tweet at me at uh, almelkurbb. I'm really interested in your responses because it's something I'm really going to be thinking about over the break as uh, a couple of my teams are really, really hurting offensively and have been all year. Uh, I've been pretty good with pitching in pretty much all of my leagues. So even the leagues I'm not doing well in, I'm doing, even in those leagues, I'm doing pretty well in pitching categories. But if I'm going to, you know, even if, I, I like to think I can still compete at this stage of the season. But really, I mean, my my main goal is just to finish as high as I can. And so I don't know if it makes sense to go after a guy like Encarnacion. So really the, the question I'm trying to build up to here is, does it make sense to go after a player like Encarnacion where really the indicators are bad? And it's it's almost sort of like a, a you know, a double cross here where um, you could say it's a buy low, but the indicators don't suggest it's a really good buy low. But maybe he will just improve those indicators and just have some positive regression just because that's what he, you know, has done in the past. And just basically bet against the argument that he is on an irreversible decline due to age. Because I don't feel like I have much to lose. And there is, I do think there is some possibility, I just don't know how great it is, but I do think there's some possibility that Encarnacion rebounds in terms of batting average and OBP in the second half. Uh, and of course, the power's been there, so there's really not any risk there. And I could certainly use the power in at least a couple of my leagues. So I don't know. Do you think it makes sense to go after a player who's been good in the past, is not really showing signs, has been, has been down this year, and is not showing any tangible signs of a turnaround, maybe even has age working against him? Is that a Hail Mary <laughs> worth uh, throwing uh, at this stage of the season? I don't know. I'm going to have to sort that out, but I certainly welcome your. Uh, your comments and feedback on that. All right. Well, as we chew on that, let's move on to some of the pitchers in just a moment. Uh, but also, I just want to remind you again, as I've been doing all week, to listen to Game Time Decisions with Gabe Morency and Cam Stewart between 4 p.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern today, right after the show, as they will be playing the DKMS Trivia Challenge. All you have to do is to get four baseball trivia questions correct, and you'll win two tickets to a 2018 World Series game. The contest is sponsored by DKMS, who are looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. For many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival, and while 30% of patients can find a matching donor in their families, 70% or nearly 14,000 people each year must rely on a benevolent stranger to step up and donate. So find out how you can help the cause. Go to dailyroto.com slash DKMS. That's dailyroto.com slash DKMS. The number to play the trivia challenge, get ready, write it down if you haven't done so already. Number to play is 844-843-6879 or alternatively, 844-843-FNTSY. And again, it's the DKMS Trivia Challenge on game time decisions between 4 p.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern today. Call in and win. So let's get to those pitchers. And I think uh, you could really flip a coin here in terms of who deserves the headline. I'm going to go with Jameson Tyone. We'll get to Kyle Gibson in a minute because he had a great start too. 
Uh, Tyone, six innings, uh, so it didn't go especially deep, but it makes it all the more impressive that he got 10 strikeouts against the Brewers, uh, just one hit on four walks and, or I'm sorry, four hits and two walks. And so let's do something we haven't done in a few starts for Tyone, and let's go back and recap how well he's performed since he started throwing the slider. He's now up to nine starts. So time flies when you're playing fantasy baseball. He's already made nine starts using the slider. He's got a 3.29 ERA. That's nice. Just over a strikeout per inning, 54 and two-thirds innings, 55 strikeouts. So that's certainly a result that you would hope to see with the incorporation of the slider. So, yes, you're seeing a good number of strikeouts from Jamison Tyone. Uh, so 55 Ks and 54 and two-thirds. 40 walks. That's pretty pretty good. And walks have never been a much of a problem for Jamison Tyone. And just five homers. Uh, so very good home run rate. So, yeah, that's a nice line for Jamison Tyone. A lot to like there. And I'll give you a couple more stats that are pretty nice to support all that. His called strike rate is 20% over that nine-start span. That's really good when average is around 17%. There's not that many pitchers who can really sustain a rate uh, of 20% or higher if they do that over a full season. You know, they're probably one of the, like, four or five best starters in that regard in the major leagues. So who knows if Tyone will sustain this uh, for the rest of the season. But that's a good sign. And uh, if you didn't catch it, I wrote a piece that was mostly about Mike Fultonevich uh, for Rotographs. Uh, it was published yesterday. Uh, but uh, I really addressed this issue of what's a better indicator of a strikeout rate, swinging strikes or called strikes? Because we always talk about whiffs and, you know, players getting whiffs, not getting whiffs. Oh, that bodes well, doesn't bode well for strikeouts. We, I talk a bit on the show about called strikeouts, but I don't, I'm not hearing and reading that a whole lot. And it turns out there's a pretty good reason because it's not nearly as predictive. It's not nearly as well correlated, but it is correlated. It's just a weaker correlation. So that 20% uh, called strike rate for Tyone does mean something, but it means even more given that over the last nine starts, he's been getting whiffs at a at an 11% rate, which is not, you know, blowing the doors off or anything, but it's good. It, it's definitely those two things in conjunction with one another are very, very promising. So that's good to see. Uh, all right, so moving on now to Kyle Gibson. Like I mentioned, he had a very nice start too, also allowing just one run, but he did it over eight innings uh, on five hits, no walks, and nine strikeouts against the Tampa Bay Rays. It was Kyle Gibson's first no-walk start of the season. He is uh, the wildest pitcher or the wildest starting pitcher in the major leagues in terms of zone percentage. Uh, he has made it work by being very deceptive outside of the zone, getting a lot of chases. Uh, he had a couple of starts that looked like maybe he was uh, regressing a bit, but now he's had two really nice starts back-to-back -back, uh, that I think you don't need to have any worries about Kyle Gibson. And he's, I wouldn't say exactly must start in the literal sense of every start in every format, but pretty darn close to it. I think he's pretty darn close to must start in a, in a mixed 12 team uh, league. So that's uh, quite uh, quite a breakout there for uh, Kyle Gibson. And it's been a real breakout for Blake Snell, who was just added to the American League All-Star team. So congratulations to Blake Snell. Well-deserved. I think uh, probably a consensus that he was the biggest snub this year. Although then again, I'm not sure 
uh, <laughs> who you would have booted off to make room for him on the original roster. Doesn't matter. He's on the AL roster now, but uh, not one of his better starts on Thursday. Only lasted three innings against the Twins, so Gibson getting the better of him, to be sure. Gave up uh, three runs over those three innings on five hits, three walks, two strikeouts. And even though starts like this have been very, very rare for Blake Snell this season, there is a bit of a trend that concerns me, and only a little, uh, over his last six starts. So we're talking about a decent-sized run here. Over his last six starts, he has walked 22 batters and 36 and two-thirds innings. And that would be alarming for pretty much any pitcher, but especially one who has a history going back through his minor league career, through most of his major league career, where Snell has just walked a lot of batters. That is something that worries me even more. Uh, however, <laughs> uh, while he's got 22 walks in 36 and two-thirds uh, two innings, he struck out 45 batters over that same span. So there's some very bad and some very good. Uh, and to add to the good side here, Snell, uh, over those six starts, has a 2.21 ERA, not giving up a lot of uh, extra base hits. And that's something, I think I brought this up on the show about a week ago, that Snell is one of a very small number of pitchers who, over each of the last three seasons, really going back to his rookie season, uh, Snell, one of a very, very small number of pitchers who is very consistent at limiting fly ball distance. Uh, so that that really helps him out when he's clogging up the bases with too many walks like he is lately, uh, that you know he's not going to be necessarily as prone to the big inning as other pitchers who have some control issues uh, because he's so stingy with, with home runs and with extra base hits in general. So I, I'm not loving this trend for, uh, for Blake Snell, but I'm also not overly alarmed either. I, I would continue to, to run him out there. Mentioned earlier in the show uh, that Severino Severino Kluber uh, pitcher's duel did not shape up as advertised. Severino only lasted five innings, uh, four runs on nine hits and a walk, and only one K against the Indians, who are really shaping up to be an extremely tough matchup. Um, You know, they've they've got great plate discipline. They don't strike out a lot. So only one strikeout against one of the better pitchers in the major leagues. Um, I'm, I'm chalking that one up for now. To, uh, to match up. Kluber, we've already got the explanation for what's been going on with him, or at least a very plausible explanation. Uh, but uh, he did go seven and a third against the Yankees, but gave up six runs on eight hits, two walks, did get nine strikeouts, uh, which was encouraging. But again, uh, he's gotten the uh, injection and uh, in his knee and is going to be uh, out for a week or so. A couple of pitchers activated. For uh, Thursday's games, Tyler Skaggs, good start for him against the Mariners. Uh, one run in six innings on five hits and a walk with five strikeouts. Trevor Cahill also activated. Uh, this was the day game that I actually talked a bit about during the show on Thursday. Didn't go well for him at all. Only lasted three and two-thirds, uh, giving up three runs on three hits and three walks with three Ks. So three was the magic number for Trevor Cahill. But what was particularly notable, I mean, we're not going to, worry too much. I'm not going to worry. I can't really tell you what you're going to do, but I'm not going to worry too much about Trevor Cahill based on the one start just yet. But Lou Trevino got another save. Uh, so his third one in just over two weeks. Nothing wrong with Blake Trinan, just been used a lot. 
But Trevino actually is tied with Felipe Rivero for I just did it, didn't I? Felipe Vasquez tied with Felipe Vasquez uh, for the highest roto value of any reliever over the past 30 days, which is incredible for somebody who, you know, is basically just the emergency closer. Uh, but he has vultured some wins and he has just been death to not flying things necessarily, but to uh, uh, things on the dirt <laughs> with a very uh, high, um, uh, very high dribbler rate, very high uh, pulled ground ball rate. Uh, so very low BABIP for uh, Lou Trevino that he's really earned. Uh, so he's useful even when he's not getting saves. I wrote about it in the uh, bullpen report on uh, Rotograph. So if you want to know more about Lou Trevino, check that out. I also wrote about Matt Strom, who pitched on Thursday, uh, an inning in the third, got three strikeouts, and now has 27 strikeouts over his last 19 in the third innings with only three walks. So Matt Strom, also somebody who can help you, uh, probably more deeper leagues, but help you without the saves. Anyways, got a few other uh, starting pitchers to talk about, and then we're going to get on to starting pitchers. We're going to pitch tonight, Friday night. Uh, Stick around for that, because it's pretty interesting matches. I will be right back with all that. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone, we promise. No weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. We got so many lineups in now. Uh, so I'm going to go through those and uh, tell you what you need to know before you get uh, your daily lineup set for tonight. Or, you know, just for your viewing pleasure, maybe, watching some games. Uh, anyways, going to get to that and the weather and uh, look at some pitching matchups tonight as well. Uh, all that coming right up. Uh, if you enjoy daily fantasy sports but you're sick of dealing with professionals using algorithms to select hundreds of lineups and entries, try the Props Builder tool at mybookie.ag. Forget having to create multiple lineups. Ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches and avoid experts winning 90% of the money. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps. And if you sign up for a new account using the promo code FNTSY, you can elect an option to receive a 50% deposit bonus with a rollover requirement. No more dealing with late lineup scratches. No experts to compete against, just you and the prop that you choose. So go to mybookie.ag, enter the promo code FNTSY upon signup, and choose your matchups using the Props Builder tool. That's mybookie.ag, promo code FNTSY. So I don't think weather should be an issue for you in terms of setting your daily lineups. There is one game that you should be aware of, and I bet if I gave you three guesses, you could probably guess which one. That's right. It's the Braves hosting the Diamondbacks because it seems like there is rain every night when there's a game at SunTrust Park. Maybe the Braves are just a rain magnet. I don't know. Actually, probably just has more to do with just where the stadium is. 
Anyhow, 22% chance of precipitation uh, for first pitch, according to uh, the Roto-Grinders weather forecast, but going up steadily uh, for about the three hours right after scheduled first pitch. So maybe potential for delay there uh, in Atlanta. So definitely uh, keep tabs on that one. And uh, that, got to look it up because I don't remember. Oh, that's, this should be a good one. Actually, was going to talk about this in a little while. Zach Godley and Anibal Sanchez. And man, has Anibal Sanchez been good throwing that cutter this year. Um, it's just been really good. Uh, actually picked him up for my uh, daily league. So hopefully that uh, he'll get to make that start or it won't be abbreviated. I'm going to take the shot with that. Uh, I'm trying to pick him up wherever I can. So that's the one game uh, that you do have some worries about. As far as uh, the lineups for that one, uh, the Braves lineup looks like just your standard, well, Braves lineup. And uh, for the Diamondbacks, uh, pretty much uh, same deal. No Catal Marte. Uh, so you got Daniel Descalso playing second and batting sixth. Nick Ahmed uh, playing short, batting seventh. Uh, we have Alex Avila catching and not pitching in this one. Uh, so, you know, otherwise, uh, pretty much your your normal Diamondbacks lineup. But let's get to some of these uh, other ones that are out. Brewers and Pirates, that's uh, Junior Guerra and Nick Kingham. Uh, 705 first pitch at PNC Park. And uh, we've got uh, middle infield, which is always sort of fluid these days with the Brewers, of Jonathan VR and Tyler Saladino, respectively batting sixth and seventh. We got Travis Shaw uh, back in the lineup. Actually, I think he played last night, but uh, back in there uh, batting fifth. Um, moving on. Oh, we got uh, Jacob Nottingham catching in that one too, recently called up. Rangers and Orioles, I mentioned earlier in the show, no Delino DeShields. We have Carlos Tochi in center field, batting ninth. And uh, on the Orioles side of things, nothing too noteworthy there. That's going to be Cole Hamels and Alex Cobb. And then uh, Yankees-Indians, Domingo Herman and Shane Bieber. Got some things to say about this one a little bit later on. But no D.D. Gregorius. We've got Tyler Wade at shortstop, batting ninth. And uh, for the Cleveland Indians, nothing much to see there. We've got Phillies and Marlins, Jake Arrieta and Wei-Yan Chen. And so with the lefty Chen going for the Marlins, uh, we've got a little bit of a different outfield for the Phillies. No Odubel Herrera and no Nick Williams. So uh, we've got Trevor Plouffe in right field. Uh, I don't think he's been up with the Phillies long, to be honest. Uh, but Trevor Plouffe batting third, too, by the way, right between Reese Hoskins and, and Carlos Santana. And then uh, Aaron Altair in center batting eighth. Uh, Marlins lineup looks pretty standard. Uh, you got Garrett Cooper there uh, in left field batting sixth. Uh, probably the only thing that you really need to take note of there. Blue Jays and Red Sox, Brian excuse me, Ryan Barucki and um, Rick Porcello in that one. So we've got another start for Eduardo Nunez at uh, third base in place of the uh, uh, injured Rafael Devers, who talked about uh, earlier on in the show. And no Andrew Benintendi, as I also mentioned earlier in the show, he's uh, on uh, bereavement leave. So uh, we've got uh, Sam Travis, who was called up to take his place. Uh, DHing and JD Martinez in left field. So that's the alignment for the Red Sox. Uh, Blue Jays lineup. We got Lourdes Goriel batting second again, playing shortstop. 
And Tasker Hernandez, who slammed that homer uh, yesterday, he's batting fifth. And Kendris Morales, uh, who's uh, heated up, batting sixth and playing first base. Uh, so there you go. Justin Smoke DHing, by the way, in case you're wondering why uh, Morales is at first base. And we've got uh, Nationals, Mets, Tanner Roark, and Noah Syndergaard mentioned uh, earlier in the show. Syndergaard's been activated. And uh, another start for Matthew Dendecker in center field. He's batting seventh. For your Washington Nationals, uh, we're back to Adam Eaton uh, against the righty uh, Syndergaard. He's leading off and playing in right field. And uh, oh, Wilmer Defoe. Just catching this now. Wilmer Defoe uh, starting at short for the Nationals and uh, batting ninth. So no Trey Turner. Uh, that's kind of a big one. And then uh, went over the Braves and Diamondbacks. Uh, so we got that uh, coming up, a 735 start Eastern at SunTrust Park. And so far, no lineups for any of the games uh, in uh, Central Time or anywhere west of there. Uh, those all still coming up. But at least you got got you partially started on uh, some of the more impactful lineup changes. So uh, let's go back to the pitching performance. Just a couple other ones that I want to mention, uh, actually both from from the same game. Uh, Tyson Ross versus Ross Strickling, a Ross versus Ross matchup. And uh, Ross, not a bad start for him at all against uh, the Dodgers. Six and a third, two runs on three hits, three walks, and five Ks. But a couple of of bad things uh, in terms of projecting ahead for Ross. One is that he could very easily get traded and uh, could leave one of the most favorable pitching environments in the majors. But even with that help, it's not really gone well for Ross. Now, his two starts prior to this one against the Dodgers gave up a combined 15 runs over just seven innings. Uh, but if you look at the whole the whole mess, uh, this last one, those two starts, and the six starts before that. So looking at a nine-start stretch for Tyson Ross, a 5.81 ERA, only 33 strikeouts in 48 innings and a whopping 20 walks and nine home runs and an 8% whiff rate. So every indicator there over a nine-start stretch, pretty bad, pretty bad, and it might get worse. It might get more wins maybe uh, by leaving the Padres, but I don't know that that's going to help that ERA, which is just south of six uh, over the last nine games. And uh, Ross Stripling, on the other hand, another great start from him. Uh, for the All-Star, one run over six innings on six hits, no walks, five Ks. And uh, talked earlier about that balance between called strikes and swinging strikes. Uh, Stripling has been somebody who has excelled at both so far this year. Actually wrote a little bit about that in that Rotographs piece that I referenced earlier. 21 called strikes against the Padres. Surprisingly, though, only six swings and misses. Not to worry, though, uh, that the larger track record certainly backs up Ross Stripling. So uh, no no major concerns there. So uh, with the time I got left here, I want to look ahead to tonight. Like I said earlier in the show, a, a bunch of really interesting pitchers that I want to focus in on since um, you know, I'm probably not going to have a chance to do this again until uh, after the break. Uh, so we've got a, a real interesting uh, matchup at Yankee Stadium. Uh, with Shane Bieber and Domingo Herman, a couple of well, Bieber I just generally do like a lot, and I've been pretty much just starting him 
automatically. But I, I got to say, I don't, I don't love this one. Uh, I, I really don't, uh, not a big fan of this matchup for Bieber. Uh, just because I, I'm, you know, he doesn't have enough of a track record yet. That, and by the way, I apologize. I said Yankee Stadium. This one's actually a progressive field, so my bad. Uh, but Bieber has an incredibly low soft contact rate. And if you go and you break it down, and I'm going to look it up because I want to say it's something like 6% or 8%, like something really like comically low. Uh, yeah, it's actually 9%. And, and again, a normal one is like higher teens, 20-ish percent. Uh, so a 9% soft contact rate so far for Shade Bieber. Uh, but, you know, if you go and you break that down, I mean, really the, the two main kinds of soft contact, like super soft contact, that a pitcher can induce is either a soft grounder, which uh, X stats, they call a dribbler. I like that terminology. Or uh, a really soft uh, pop-up. And uh, he's below average in terms of both of those rates, dribbler rate and pop-up rate. So, you know, in most matchups, I'm, that, that feels like nitpicking because he's a decent strikeout pitcher with good control and good command. But given this track record against the Yankees, I, I'm going to skip him if I can. So, And I'm going to do the same for Domingo Herman. Uh, and again, I'm going to go back and reference from two shows ago, from Wednesday's show, Drew Digmeyer warning me, and I did not heed the warning, but warning me against using Tyler Maley against the Indians because they're so lefty loaded. Well, guess who else has really bad splits against lefties? That's right, Domingo Herman. So uh, I would skip him as well tonight too. And uh, talked earlier uh, about Anibal Sanchez. Uh, so yeah, I'm starting him tonight in my daily uh, lineup league. Uh, you do have to check on the weather on that one as, as you get closer to first pitch. I may have to pull him, uh, but if it looks good, I'll probably let him go because he's just been consistently good, especially since... Uh, re-entering the, the Braves rotation. I believe it was in late May, either uh, late May or early June. And, uh, you know, I mentioned it's been, you know, throwing uh, throwing a cutter with much greater regularity, and it's really, you know, worked for him in terms of uh, inducing a lot of soft contact. So, uh, you know, I like that matchup a lot. And Zach Godley at this point, I think, you know, I haven't totally given up hope on him, but certainly given that matchup, uh, I'll, I'll take on Sanchez, uh, you know, and godly just, uh, you can't trust him to go deep into starts. You can't trust him to, to throw strikes and at the same time. You can't trust him to necessarily, you know, go the Kyle Gibson route and get a lot of swings on, on bad pitches. So I'm, I'm certainly going to be watching with interest to see how godly does in that one. Uh, cause I'm always looking to see if he can bounce back, but I I've really come to, uh, be a believer in Anibal Sanchez. I'm not sure I can say the same thing about Mike Fires, but it is worth pointing out as he heads into his start against the Houston Astros tonight, his former team, that now over his last eight starts, he has a 2.54 ERA, Mike Fires. He'll be going up against Dallas Keuchel, so I don't have too many worries about Keuchel. He had a rough stretch earlier in the year. Uh, he does not uh, you know, always seem to be consistent. And sometimes his inconsistencies, as with Corey Kluber, sometimes those sync up with some kind of health problem. But Keiko, for the most part, has been very good lately. Uh, so I think he's fine to start. But 
it, it, certainly if Fires could go toe-to-toe with Keuchel in this one after doing well over his last eight starts, that's going to give me a lot more confidence. So I'll be watching that one, although I won't necessarily be starting them. I am starting both of the pitchers in the Royals-White Sox matchup. That's right. I am. Uh, not in the same league, but league mind you. But um, I am going to go with James Shields against the Royals. And it's not that much of a... This is really about the matchup. But I've noticed with Shields that there's a pattern of frequently going deep into games, frequently coming up with a quality start. Nothing overwhelming, but, you know, good enough, especially in a points league. Uh, but the occasional just absolute stinker. But he's mostly been very consistent against not very good competition. And I would call the Royals not very good competition. So uh, I'm going to go with uh, James Shields in my new league. Uh, but in my other daily lineup league, I'm, I went out and I got Brad Keller. Uh, because particularly for a points league, he's fantastic. I mean, he he has given up one home run all season. I tweeted out he's gone 50, I want to say 56 and two-thirds. Might be off a little bit there. But, you know, gone 50-plus innings without giving a, up a home run. That's that's astounding. I don't care that he doesn't strike anybody out. If he goes deep into games and you know, he's up against a, a, an easy opponent like the White Sox and he doesn't give up home runs, that's I'll take that. Uh, and we got Nate Evaldi and possibly one of his last starts as a Tampa Bay Ray against the Twins and Jake Odorizzi. So I don't know if there's much more to say about Avaldi that I haven't said after his last couple of starts, but he's he's been really good. So, uh, you know, basically just to see if he can uh, build on the success that he's had since coming back uh, earlier this season. And a couple more, like I said, this you know each one of these matchups really intriguing to me. I don't know how I'm going to split my time uh, watching TV. I don't like to flip around too much, but I might have to. And here's another one. Felix Pena, who I've picked up in a few places and I really like and has been getting tons of swings and misses, going up against Walker Bueller, who will be making his first start since that first start back from the, the right rib microfracture that he stuffed, uh, that he suffered and he missed a few weeks and then came back what appeared to be prematurely because he had a terrible start. So this will be his first start since then. So certainly it'll be an opportunity to see if Bueller can rebound and to see if Pena can keep his success going uh, this time against the Dodgers. And then finally... Uh, we've got the Bay Area series. We've got uh, uh, Giants and A's, uh, Nassim Bumgarner and Edwin Jackson. And sort of like with Anibal Sanchez, I've been a little slow to come around on Jackson. I mean, it's only been, I think, three starts since he's uh, joined the A's rotation, so it's not super slow. But he has been good so far, and uh, he has been a big inducer of soft contact. Giants have been pretty easy matchup. For the last few weeks. So while I haven't gone and picked up uh, Edwin Jackson uh, to start tonight in any leagues where I could stream him, I'm certainly going to watch and see if, uh, you know, certainly if he doesn't do well tonight, that's going to make me very skeptical. But if he does, then, you know, we'll see after the break. Uh, maybe somebody that's worth picking up or at least uh, streaming here and there. So with that final tidbit, let's go on an all-star break. <laughs> Have a great night watching baseball tonight. Enjoy the weekend, and I'll be back on Monday when we will be on the All-Star break. So uh, looking forward to all that. And in the meantime, have a great one, everybody. See you next week.